0: Have you been wondering what to get your lockdown sceptical friend for Christmas? Look no further than the hilarious new satire of the Covid era. Busting anti-vax myths, seriously expert arguments for the Covid deniers in your life. Don't be fooled by the title now. Remember, it's a satire written under the nom de plume of a wholly fictitious Irish Covid expert whose blinkered and topsy-turvy logic will leave you in stitches. The book satirises the mad world of lockdowns and vaccine passes with exquisite humour. Head over to the book's website, which is BustingAntiVaxMyths.com. That's BustingAntiVaxMyths.com. Dot com to get your copy now for a limited time offer of only $6.99. With 94% of Amazon reviewers giving the book five stars, it's guaranteed to give much-needed comic relief for the lockdown sceptical this Christmas. Once again, head over to BustingAntiVaxMyths.com now to get your copy. That's BustingAntiVaxMyths, uh, all one word.com.
1: This is London Calling. London
0: Calling. So, we had to flee the country for family privacy, says Harry, as we watch a $100 million documentary in which he flaunts his young children and shares private text messages, intimate photographs for the entire world to see. But frankly, the biggest problem with this series so far is that, like the sausages themselves, it's actually, it's dull, it's predictable, it's cliche-ridden, it's simperingly sycophantic. It's one long rendition of all their greatest whinges and a load of self-congratulatory nonsense.
1: Welcome to London Calling with me, James Delling Park, and my very good friend, Mr Toby Young. Toby, what's the weather like in London? I can tell you where I am in the middle of the sticks. It is jolly parky.
0: Yeah, it's I, pretty park-y. I went to get
1: some wood today. Did you? I got um, wood. <laughs> well done. Yeah, I did. I brought it. I, for, for, we've got one of those, um, we've got a Rayburn in the kitchen, which, which rather, rather presciently, I think, uh, when we moved in, into the house, I insisted on having a solid fuel burner because I didn't trust, I knew they were going to drive up the price of electricity. I knew that was the plan. And I didn't want to be reliant on, on gas. So we got, we got one where you have to lug in either wood or coal but I think it could be if everything else goes off as they're planning. I think then this will be our, our one source of warmth.
0: Right, and it's an arger, is it? It's uh, which yeah, you can, like, you can cook on, but it heats the, the kitchen. Very similar. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, that sounds nice. Yeah. I th- you know. I don't think you're allowed to burn wood um, in London. I think it's against the law now. Um, yeah, they they really do want to
1: freeze us to death. <laughs> <laughs> they they absolutely do that. They, they what they don't like is any form of independence from from the grid. They want to, they want to make everyone slave to the grid, and simultaneously make the grid so expensive that people cannot afford to heat uh, their homes. Which is why they really hate things like wood burning stoves. Why they hate uh, agas that don't that are, that are electric. I mean, it's it's the same with it's the same with 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 cars. Of course, they're gonna. They're gonna abolish diesel and petrol cars and say, Oh no, we're we're all moving to electric and then everyone moves to electric and what you find is that, that, that A there aren't enough charges and B, electricity is so expensive that only the 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 so called elites can actually get anywhere anymore. It's all it's all very it's very carefully thought through. These people um, are, are evil.
0: The, uh... So it's snowing in London. Um, Is it? Yeah, well, it was. Um, It snowed last night quite heavily, I have to say. Did you notice that um, the National Grid um, uh, issued an instruction to Drax, um, which owns some coal-fired power stations, to fire up? Okay. It, well, anyway, it told Drax to fire up or, or put, put on emergency standby two coal-fired power stations in Yorkshire because who would have thunk it, James, but um, carbon-neutral renewable energy um, isn't going to meet all of our energy needs this winter because of the quote-unquote emergency, by which they mean a, a, a completely predictable cold spell. Um, uh, but uh, these these power stations, the government ordered Drax to close them But then over the summer, they told Drax to put the closure on hold just in case in the the event of an emergency, (laughs) i.e. cold weather, um, these coal-fired power stations would be needed again. I'm not sure whether they actually have been fired up, but the National Grid certainly put them on standby today. I think uh, I read that um, there was actually a piece in The Guardian, believe it or not, which said that on Sunday, uh, wind contributed, I think, 8%. To our overall energy needs and solar, 1%. Um, whereas coal, I think, was 40% or something.
1: That, um, do you know what, I, 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 I sometimes get berated um, by my wife for not, not writing enough about the green, the green horror. But the thing is, 10 years ago at least, I was writing articles pointing out that one of the many problems with wind, wind power. Apart from all the birds and bats, bats, it slices and dices, and the landscapes it blights, and, and the rare earth minerals which are which are mined on extremely toxic conditions. Apart from apart from all that, the wind is 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 most unavailable on those days when it is most needed, i.e., on on really really hot days when you need the air- aircon, and on really really cold days in the dead of winter when there's no wind at all, and it's 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 not as though this 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 information hasn't been out there for a very very long time, and it has been completely ignored in a way that suggests to me that that they don't care. Yeah, they wait, what, want to railroad through it anyway.
0: One one thing, well, it, it's it's not uh, it's not based on a rational calculation of how best to meet no, Britain's energy wrong. needs, is it? It's all based mm-hmm. on ideological dogma um but um one thing that struck me is um quite ironic that this coal power company drax um you know is named after a james bond villain (laughs) yes (laughs) should should have shouldn't they have called themselves you know um lucinda or mr rosa or you know mr 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 Mr., Mr., Mr. huggable or something or or Greta.
1: (laughs) Greater. <laughs> yeah. The Greta could have been the, Greta power the Thunberg, plan. the Thunberg power plant. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like a power plant. Do, yeah. the thing is, uh, I, I, I went up to to Drax to do what one of those like um, extended features for. I think for for the mail or the mail on Sunday, I forget which. And I, I, I was I was in the business of doing like we, we investigate interesting things. So I went I went down the deepest coal mine in the country and, and all sorts of things. And I went up to Drax and I was thinking, well great, I love I, I, I love the idea of Drax that they're, they're producing old-fashioned conventional power. And then I got up there and the thing they, they were keen to show me was not the, these, the, the, the coal-fired generators. They were keen to show me the fields of elephant grass that they had growing next door as part of their renewable um, biofuels program, and I was I, I was aghast because I, here are these people running a very serious power station, and they were saying, "Oh, we don't want to to use use fossil fuels that actually generates generates power. We want to use we want to burn elephant grass." It's like the industrial revolution did not happen by burning burning tall grass, did it? No. It's, it it's not very it's not very energy intensive form of fuel.
0: No, it's just completely ridiculous. At some point, one imagines the public will wake up. Perhaps, James, if, um, if you know, if if um, the excess deaths this winter from the cold snap, as a result of net zero, and power cuts. Perhaps people will finally wait. It'll be the wake-up call that this country has been waiting for, and people will just force the government to abandon this crazy policy. Um, But, yeah, I'm not holding my breath. Um, So we should probably hear from one of our sponsors before going on to discuss uh, the rather nice... um, article about us james oh we National should review
1: that do you know what i think that should be the the whole of the next se- section fact, maybe <laughs> maybe you should dominate the show because it's just like we're great basically we're yeah great. whether weather like james that's me I, I i'm reading this out whether like me you leap hedges on your 18 hand hunter or like tobes you brave recuvix volcanic ash what do you do when you're snowed under And notice your fiercely independent elderly mum or dad isn't coping. This would have been a disaster. But now you can whip out your phone and call the Family Emergency Service. That is the Live-In Care Company. Call 0118 914 5300. The live-in-care-company.co.uk does exactly what it says on the tin. The Live-In Care Company, run by a fellow London Calling listener, rocks a 97% five-star trust pilot rating. The Live-In Care Company believes your family should be cared for at home by carers who actually care. We do not believe a synthetic and potentially locked-down environment of a residential care home can hold a candle to -to one-to-one care in your own family home. As one amazed trust pilot reviewer wrote recently, we urgently needed a carer with only 24 hours notice. This company contacted us very promptly and had a carer for the position within a couple of hours. Absolutely amazing service with a very professional caring attitude and a very personal touch. This company is by far the best we have used. Get in touch via uk. Or ring us for a no-obligation conversation on 0118 914 5300. We'd love to help.
0: So, James, there was an article in uh, the National Review. I think the
1: National Review... I think more than an article, James, I would say a panegyric, an encomium, (laughs) I would call
0: it. And it was it was entitled "An Odd Couple for Our Odd Times," <laughs> and it was by Michael Brendan Doherty. Is that he pronounces surname? We I probably I right. don't know,
1: but Doherty. Doherty. <laughs> you know, he's American. He probably doesn't care. Uh, he's probably American. Probably
0: does care. Anyway, um, uh, it was uh, it was as you say, um, a panegyric to London Calling, and um, and in in the article, he actually. in in rather hyperbolic language, uh, says that the young Dellingpole repartee is perhaps the most relevant ongoing conversation on planet Earth. And what he means by that is that the Team James, Team Toby division is a division which he thinks is pervasive and it's not a debate which is often aired, which is why he thinks our podcast is so important. If I may, I want to read out... um, Some a a few paragraphs which summarize his kind of hypothesis about why this is an important conversation, which I think are are very good so. Whereas once he and Young were both basically libertarian-oriented Tories, now Dellingpole has stopped caring about conventional politics. He sometimes has trouble working up any interest at all in the latest toing and froing at Westminster. And this change has strained the relationship at the heart of the podcast, occasionally making me wonder if I was listening to the final episode. For Dellingpole, the sinister aims of our ruling class keep advancing whatever party is in power. Trump meant nothing. Brexit meant nothing. Bojo was, if anything, just another tool of the establishment. The implementation of the World Economic Forum agenda, you'll own nothing and love it, continues apace. Depopulation is the long-term goal. Soon we'll have a full-blown social credit system backed by central bank digital currencies. In his remaining time before the onset of inescapable tyranny, Dellingpole is experimenting with religion and psychedelics and forswearing the death jab. COVID vaccination. This is the worldview of Team James on the podcast. On the other side of the ledger is Team Toby. His view is that our politics are for the most part genuine rather than fake, our leaders deluded and bumbling, rather than as supremely capable as they would have to be to keep conspiracies of the sort Dellingpole believes in going. What makes London Calling riveting is that I know so many friendships, marriages and enterprises in which something like the same division has arisen over the past three years. I know so many people who go through life with worldviews equivalent to those of Team Toby and Team James as the respective angel and devil on their shoulders. And there is something inherently fascinating about watching people struggle through it. What he says is attractive about this podcast and this debate unfolding on our podcast is, is that we managed to remain friends in spite of this fundamental schism. And I think for him, he's seen many marriages and friendships and enterprises um, uh, falter, if not fall apart, because people aren't capable of navigating that disagreement in the good-humoured way that we do. So what he likes about our podcast is that we model how to disagree agreeably about this fundamental difference, which he sees dividing all the people uh, and businesses and an enterprise as he knows and, uh, so I think that uh, so James it's important I mean, the lesson here I think I think he's onto something here I think he probably is putting his finger on why people like London Calling those who do why they like it so much and I think it is the fact that we do disagree about this fundamental issue and we do air those disagreements and we sometimes you know teeter on falling out about over them mummy but and daddy we, fight and, and the kids and get fight. upset but, but mummy and daddy make up at the end of each podcast. and but, we, and we and we'll in the show way that, that mummies
1: and daddies wake up, thankfully. That would be a bit worrying, wouldn't <laughs> well, that's it? That's true, that's <laughs>
0: true. Yeah, there's no makeup up sex. Um, no. but, uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, we, 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 we do manage to um, remain friends in spite of these fundamental differences which which have driven apart i think a lot of friendships and marriages so yeah i, I, I thought it was an excellent piece very good
1: i think it's an important piece as well because i was actually thinking of of ditching you tapes. i was thinking <laughs> that the podcast had run its course because i've got i've just got so big and famous now and you're just like you know who are you anyway but, but who but would you th- replace this- me with <laughs> I often think about ditching Um, you, but I can't think of anyone. Somebody like what? Piers Morgan, um, (laughs) Gary Lineker, somebody like that. (laughs) Uh,
0: Surely you mean Boris Johnson, perhaps, or um, yeah, maybe, um, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, or or, uh, um, John Stewart. Uh, It it had to be be the equivalent in the kind of status hierarchy as me, James, to make it work.
1: I do think, James, actually, that there are not many people. I could replace you with because most people are just you know where I am or they're on the other side. There are very few that kind of straddle the divide like like you do in your cuckish way, <laughs> in your in your clinging clinging on to, to, to the frames of the Overton window, desperately trying. To...
0: But maybe you could. I mean, you, I could, you, you'd want, I suppose, um, a libertarian conservative. Who um, was alarmed by many of the same developments over the past two and a half to three years as you, but yeah. um, but 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 thought they were primarily driven by cockup rather than conspiracy. And there aren't many people actually who do fall into that category. Christopher Snowden might be one,
1: no, uh, but I can't imagine he'd do well at disagreeing agreeably. He's just no, he's. I mean, I consider him a total sellout. I would never, I would never break bread with him. There were so many people types that I would never, ever, ever break with, bread with again. Well, I mean, unless they sort of came to me um, like um, that scene at Canossa, you know, when the what is it, the Holy Roman Emperor, Emperor um, goes on his knees towards the Pope. But a- apart from that, I, I would not break bread with these people again. They've they've just well, they've shit the bed, and and, and uh, there's, there's no way back from that. Without grovelling, abject apology. So you are, you are the only only person. But his, I, I, I think his his broader point about about marriages. I, I know of so many, or rather, I hear from so many people whose who, whose whose marriages are broken up over it. it, it, it it's, yeah. and it, I think it's really sad.
0: I even really saw. So. I, I, I read recently a piece. I can't remember who it was by now, but it was by someone. They, they gave us an, say say this person. It, it's it. They compared it to. They said they've fallen out in much the same way that couples fall out when one of them becomes a conspiracy theorist. And this was this was referred to as though this was a common occurrence now, like you know almost a pop culture trope. You know, you can imagine it cropping up in sitcoms. You know, <laughs> in the future, couples in which probably the woman but possibly the man um becomes do do you find actually that's an interesting question Oh, these couples you know who kind of yeah. in whom the kind of team Toby team James divide has become manifest yes. is it usually the woman that's team James and the man that's yes. team Toby or vice versa yeah I think that, that's my experience too just judging from the people that come up to me um, well I think
1: A it's because I'm a sex symbol and yeah, probably, women probably, are very yeah, very attractive but B on a lesser lesson I, I don't think women have just they've got that kind of intuition maybe I less don't rational know. you mean less rational is that what you mean <laughs> that's guided by the evidence yeah.
0: <laughs> more pro hysteria that's going to make you that's going to really bolster the female for support for <laughs> the for team tone isn't it I thought that's what you were driving at. that's not my view obviously um, yeah um, anyway yeah so um, so uh, yeah we have to continue James and we have to continue to disagree vigorously and set out our stalls but we have to make
1: up at the end of each quarrel I, but, but actually on that note I, I did um, I went to a party in London uh-huh. Uh, the other day, which I really do. I mean, A, because I just don't get the invitations, and B, because you know it's it's a bit of a trek. I mean it was it was a uh what? An hour and forty five minutes drive in, an hour and forty-five minutes back drive back for one and a half hours party time. So one has to sort of work the room pretty quickly. And I mean it was really good fun. But it was it was largely with people from my old life. So people from our Oxford days, people who've become bankers politicians whatever and i would say 95 percent of the room were if they had if they expressed a preference at all would have been would have been team tobes and i was thinking that, that as far as these people are concerned the only the only way i now intrude into their lives is is via london calling and and you are you are the gateway gateway drug for them because they're they, they, they consider you a sort of trustworthy person, whereas they wouldn't listen to the Delling part, I don't think, because they think it was just too out there. Mm. So in a way, you are you you are helping me red pill people subtly.
0: OK, that's good. I mean, mm. I, I, I'm, I'm the gateway to you. I like that. Um, but uh, one of the one of the curiosities about this is when people talk about, you know, marriages breaking up because one half of the couple becomes a conspiracy theorist, they never mean a left wing conspiracy theorist, do they? You know, it, 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 it often you know, it, it, it left wing conspiracy theories, such as the view that um, climate scepticism is funded by big oil, for instance, yeah. that that's not even you know, amongst amongst kind of educated couples. That's not even regarded as a conspiracy theory, is it? Um, or, or the idea that, you know, that, that, that Britain is systemically racist and is kind of shot through with a kind of uh, 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 c- c- sort of its colonial heritage which it can never escape from and black people are always going to be treated as second class citizens and never have the same opportunities as white people and white privilege is a thing and so all of that's a conspiracy theory too isn't it? But that's not considered a conspiracy theory. All the view that Brexit was only possible because of Russian funded bots, the Carol Codwallader kind of conspiracy You know why, Toffs?
1: It, 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 I think it's similar to that phenomenon of the left can't meme. The left, the left cannot cannot do memes because it because it cannot it cannot think intelligently enough to to, to do do memes. In the in the same way, when the left tries to do well what, what you you categorize as, as conspiracy theories, um, that the, they can't do it because because well fundamentally because what they're saying is untrue. Whereas I, I would I would contend that the, the, that that the real conspiracy. Theories are, are actually oh, see, it's, I actually I, true.
0: I don't think the difference is that left wing
1: conspiracy theories aren't true, but right wing conspiracy but, theories are. Well, they're not um, even right. We, we, don't forget terms. We 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 down the rabbit hole. Don't believe in left and right. We think that there's a artificial constructs designed to divide us that's all right right
0: no i i felt more the difference was that the left have a kind of blind spot um they they're very quick to accuse people on the right of believing in conspiracy theories and yet half of their fundamental beliefs informing their politics are conspiracy theories. Anyway, um, so uh, let's hear from one more ad um, and then go on to... I want to discuss a couple of things with you, actually. Um, One one is this new report from Conservative Way Forward about the sheer size of the kind of uh, uh, grievance industrial complex in the UK and how much it's uh, costing the taxpayer every year. Anyway, let's hear from uh, heroes and heretics whom we both... Love, James, because Heroes and Heretics um, have sent each of us three bottles in the past week, uh, two bottles of whiskey and a bottle of rum. And I'm getting stuck into them. And boy, are they good. So um, let's hear it from Heroes and Heretics. Heroes and Heretics are our preferred supplier of beautifully crafted artisanal spirits, pure and unadulterated straight from the cask. This is why we suggest joining their Heroes and Heretics Collective, a spirits club for the novice and discerning spirits enthusiast alike. I like that, spirits enthusiast. I consider myself a spirits enthusiast. Other people might use the word drunk, but I like spirits (laughs) enthusiast. Their upcoming offering is one you won't want to miss. To take a salmon, a brace of grouse and a stag all on the same day is called a McNab. To the uninitiated, that may not sound like too daunting a task, but an attempted McNab often turns into a McNaught. John McNabb, the fictional founding father of the McNab Challenge, can now add another string to his bow. Heroes and Heretics Whiskey has partnered with three big brand names in the shooting and fishing world, Farlows, Cording's and William Evans, to release a 300-bottle limited-edition McNab Whiskey. The label features information on the 50% proof 15-year-old Westport Whiskey, as well as three sketches of the salmon, the stag and the grouse. They've even made space for date and location to be filled in as you embark on this great adventure. For the whiskey enthusiast, the bibliophile and the avid sportsman, this is the perfect excuse to have a good dram. Pre-order your bottle now at www.usk.com hahcws dot com. That's www.h dot hahcws dot com, and remember to join the Heroes and Heretics Collective for fifteen percent off this legendary bottling with free delivery to boot. So it couldn't be a more appropriate ad, could it? For London, have Corninger, you read uh, the McNab. McNab. I haven't read John McNabb, No, would you recommend? I,
1: it? I would really recommend it. It's it's um it's 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 outside the the Richard Hannay canon right um but it's a it's a very charming charming story with 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 likeable chaps doing things in scotland when when things were still good up there before Mm. before they installed the bat chomping bird slicing uh eco crucifixes and turned into a kind of fascist state yeah
0: right okay good i'll uh, put them on the list um so james um the conservative way forward group have just published a report um, documenting how much the British taxpayer is spending on politically motivated campaigning and posts every year. And they've calculated it's a total of seven billion. And some of the statistics they've ferreted out. I mean, they've done this through uh, bombarding charities and um Public sector bodies and quangos with FOIs. I think they've submitted sixty thousand FOIs in total to assemble this data, but it's it's pretty hair-raising. So um, uh, they reckon that ten thousand equity diversity and inclusion jobs are being funded by the British taxpayer. Uh, that that's just off EDI officers at a cost of five hundred and fifty-seven million a year. The mean salary of an EDI officer is £42,700. What's, uh, so what's, what's EDI? Uh, equity, Diversity and Inclusion. Uh, diversity Grats. Wow. Uh, so the NHS alone, James, employs 800 EDI officers at a cost of £40 million a year. The UK's 397 local councils employ an average of two EDI officers each at a cost of 30 million a year. Britain's 175 universities employ an average of four EDI officers each at a cost of 30.2 million. Here's the kicker, James Oxford alone, Oxford University alone employs 40 equity, diversity, and inclusion officers at a cost of over 2 million. A year. I mean, it's absolutely eye-watering. The police, um, <laughs> they they employ an average of five EDI officers per force at a cost of twelve point seven five million a year. Whitehall employs two hundred and fifty-five. That's that's the civil service. Whitehall departments two hundred and fifty-five EDI officers at a cost of eleven point five million a year. The Treasury alone employs nineteen at a cost of nine hundred twenty-one thousand a year. I mean. What struck me about this is uh, this this, you know, this incredibly depressing report um, is that it just it just it brings home just how numerous and well funded the kind of progressive forces of wokery pokery are. Hmm. I mean, what I did, I, I did a back of the envelope calculation to try and work out how many people uh, were, were employed by the kind of um, anti-woke coalition you know, of which I'm a part and, and, and what their annual budget is. And I would say fewer than 100 people in the anti-woke coalition and probably a budget of less than 25 million a year. Um, and uh, so, you know, it's a, it's an asymmetric battlefield. How can we... I mean, forget about Ukraine versus Russia. You know, forget about Vietnam versus the USA. This is the most asymmetric battlefield in the history of warfare. I mean, how can, how can 100 people possibly hope to compete with, you know, 10,000 well-renumerated equity, diversity and inclusion officers. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, what we have to do, I think, James, we have to we have to learn guerrilla warfare. We have to take a leaf out of the Viet Cong's book, because
1: um, uh, that's the only way to prosecute this war. OK, what do we do? We, 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 we put on pointy hats and get some AKs or what? I don't, I don't think
0: we do that, but I think we have to think about kind of uh, picking our targets. We have to pick, pick, blow up a few strategic bridges behind enemy lines, right. um, uh, 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 pick on a few um, weak links, um, uh, somehow force them to kind of uh, it, into mass deployments to kind of deal with kind of tiny skirmishes, uh, I tell you t- what tie up things. their forces by. Yeah. What?
1: I tell you what my blow is the, the blow I'm going to strike. I am going to boycott the coronation next year um, because the, just going back to that case of this this woman Ngozi Fulani that we you know the, the, the woman who, who invented this African name for herself and then reported Lady Hussy for for, for, yeah. for inadvertent racism or, or whatever. I don't know whether you've seen somebody's somebody's been through the accounts. Of, of her charity, Sister Act, whatever I it's I did called, see Sister. that, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, they've gone through in, in great detail. And everything is exactly as one would have, have expected. This is a, this is, <laughs> it's a very, very dodgy operation. And I just think that by, sorry to, to, to rake over old coals, whatever the phrase is, but just very, very briefly, how can one any, have any respect for a, 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 a monarchy, um, a raw family, which allows this this race baiting, ghastly woman to prosper. The, 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 if if we are going to have this this this, stupidly privileged, overpaid family representing us as our figureheads, what kind of example are they setting by inviting this ghastly woman to a special dinner and and and. Trash, allowing her to trash the reputation of of, of the, the the queen's former lady in waiting. I mean, you know, as you know, I have no truck with the royal family. But but supposing that one cared about them at all as a thing, this ought to be the moment where we say no, no not having anything to do with you anymore. You are just hopeless. But, but, there's, there's, Prior to this
0: episode, were you planning to come up to London and wave a little flag on a stick for the no, coronation?
1: I no, mean, to, to be honest, James, I, I I never got my invitation to the to the coronation. I mean, presumably, <laughs> have that gone out yet? Are you are you? I don't you, think
0: so. Um, okay. I heard the other day, James, that um, someone told me that um, someone who shall remain nameless, but someone who you may know. Um, yeah. Had been made um, the new editor of the Sunday Times. So the current editor of the Sunday Times, Emma Tucker, is supposedly going off to become the editor of the Wall Street Journal. Right. Um, and um, someone else was going to replace her. And someone. The reason, I someone. I think you know. And the reason this person had got the job is because yeah. they're quite close to the King, and Murdoch wants an invitation to the coronation. So oh, that was the really? quid pro quo. That oh, was the I story. story. But, but I I don't think it's true. Um, unfortunately. It's 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 one of those stories which is too good to check. But no, I made the mistake right. of telling someone who 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 um, was able to check it, and they checked it, and they reported back to me at lunchtime today that in fact it's not true, and that in all likelihood Emma Tuckers deputy is going to get this job, and Murdoch has no desire to go to the coronation, so that's a, that's a shame. It's oh. not true. The, but anyway.
1: well, I, I wish you hadn't said that. I must sorry, as you, as you say, the, the story too good, too good to check. Yeah. Anyway, no, I, you're right. I mean, I can't stand them anyway, but but this this just. Magnifies my my. Does,
0: does, does that mean? Does that mean that you've been lapping up the Harry and Meghan documentary, James? Because it uh, it, it continues to discredit the royal family and cause them pain. Presumably not.
1: I uh, do. You know my greatest terror. My greatest terror was that I might be asked to review it um, for my for <laughs> so my TV column. And I, I, luckily, I don't know how I, I dodged that that bullet and was able I, to watch something I, else. I, I. I that
0: that that nightmare came true for me. So I was I was invited onto the Mark Stein show on G B News um to talk about it. So I forced myself to kind of watch one of the episodes. I watched episode three, which is um uh the one when um they, they discuss Britain's Is that the uh, one where they go on, on fire and go to another history. party? <laughs> that, that's all three. <laughs> um but uh, uh it it was all about Britain's um it was about the legacy of colonialism and um how that the, the British monarchy is drenched in the blood of, you know, a million slaves. Um, uh, it was uh, it was it was predictably awful. Um, and but isn't it uh, weird
1: how they they all, they they both speak Well, Harry does. I mean, he went to Eton, for goodness sake. But but he speaks in the language of the of, of the youth, doesn't he? He's he's sort of he doesn't talk posh.
0: He tries not to talk posh. He tries to sound less posh than than his father. Um, But uh, I didn't think terribly successfully, because I think of the kind of, you know, those Jafaken kind of undertones now, which... uh, uh, which you often hear amongst people who've been privately educated as as the new posh accent, in the same way that when we were at Oxford, the street cred accent you know, how people we call the Mockneys, people yeah, who yeah. pretended that you know they'd they been brought up under Lambeth Bridge, um, by uh, you know, and, and 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 were reared using Cockney rhyming slang, um, when in fact they were brought up on an estate and sent
1: to Britain's most expensive private schools. Was know. that my mistake, James? Because I, I think <laughs> that's I, where I you went wrong, to, James. I tried to posh up my accent. Yeah, you, should I, have done, wanted, you should, I wanted you know, to, to find my Sebastian
0: flight yeah, you should, who was going to take me back. You please. should you should have pretended to be, you know, a cockney urchin, um, straight out of um, you know, um, uh, Oliver Twist Yes. And, and the Artful Dodger. And then you would yeah, you would have then you would, have, you, you, would have, you would have you would have reached the you would have then been, been elected to the Bullingdon within 24 hours of <laughs> <arriving>. <laughs> Oh dear, Oh dear. Yeah, anyway, never mind. Um, let's hear from one more ad James. I think it's your turn.
1: Is this Thor? Ah, oh, it is. It's Thor. And Toast, it's Thor telling a joke. Yes. It's called, it's called Thor's Christmas Message. Did you hear the one about the Scotsman in London? He drinks ten fine malt whiskies, then falls down groaning. Barman. What's the matter, sir? Scotsman. I shouldn't have drank that whisky where, 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 where I've got, son. Barman. Why? What have you got? Scotsman. Two poons, son. Did it say poons? pounds. <laughs> no, pounds. I, I, sorry, my accent was not very good. And I may, have, I may well have killed Thor's already not not top-class joke. <laughs> anyway. Sorry, I think,
0: I think I think, you, I think, you told, I think it's, it, it's funnier the way you told it than yeah, it, than it would it be is. if it had been told I, by a professional I, comedian. I think it is.
1: <laughs> I Continues Thor. I've thought about thought of collecting whiskey, but I always drink the principle The solution? I'm investing in a distillery. What's special about this project? Non-woke, financially trustworthy, business-savvy management who previously built a brand to six-figure exit. Strong whiskey story and renowned head distiller. Investments from £2,000 with larger sums SEIS qualifying so the government pays us to invest. God, I think we should try and get on on this ourselves, Tobes. Um, my point in talking whiskey is that as your executive coach or NED, I'll bring not just the performance boost to your business, I will also share my trusted network with you. Connect today, and you could still join our pre Christmas coffee club Zoom where I'll tell the story of a client who sold his business for $1 billion and hear the key lessons learned applicable to any size of business. LinkedIn. Sorry, linked dot, LinkedIn.com forward slash in forward slash Thor Holt. Merry Christmas, says Thor. P.S. Your Christmas whiskey is in the post, Toby. And if James responds to his email, uh, which I actually have, Thor, hello, his will be too.
0: <laughs> I have to say, James, I've got the whiskey that Thor has sent me. And I imagine this is the whiskey company he's invested in and it's very good um i have oh. had a wee dram already um, oh. so i'm now i've got i've now got in in the past week i've received three bottles of whiskey two from heroes and heretics one from thor so yes. i'm i'm up to my eyeballs in whiskey this christmas uh
1: much to my delight yeah do you Do you know what wife said to me she said she she was trying to get, persuade me to get get rid of them um saying that that we that we, we had no need for such large quantities of whiskey I, i'm I'm bugging if I'm going to do that. It looks really nice. No, too yeah, good absolutely. to give to other people. Yeah, far too good. Yeah, can't yeah. re gift that. Um, no. So should we? Should we? Should we
0: um, move on to culture corner um, for the last section of the show? Have you got much to um, contribute to culture corner? I, I have to say, I've I've just continued with things I've already been watching. So I've um, I've ploughed on with uh, Andor. Which um which I, I think I agree with our friend Mark Miller um is the best of the Star Wars TV spin-offs. But um unfortunately um it's tanked in the ratings, and the reason for that is because all the previous Star Wars TV spin-offs were so poor that people have totally lost confidence in the brand, and so they haven't bothered to give Andor a chance. So I would urge them to do so. I think it's it is I mean it's not fantastic um uh, uh but it, but it's better than all the other uh, star wars tv spin-offs and it's okay so it was created and some of the episodes are written and directed by tony gilroy um who um directed uh some of the uh, born films and is it's it's a pretty good writer director so yeah i think it's okay i i i think it's worth worth persevering with um and the other thing i've been um, persevering with this week james is um Gangs of London. Now I know we um and you, you I think said last week I think you don't too like violent. it because it's too violent and it is very very violent. So Gangs of London is is almost like I mean so it's rather odd in that um it, it, each episode is directed by a particular person apart from the action sequences which are directed by Gareth Evans who is a kind of legendary action director and has gone on to become A movie director so he directed the raid and the raid 2 and he did something on um netflix not so long ago um but Uh, he is those were written by a welshman weren't they yeah he's a welshman he's called gareth evans gareth evans i mean
1: it's extraordinary where i mean where's he come from I, i just like he he must have really done well after those raid movies
0: yeah i mean he's uh and I, I think the but i think yeah he did well enough to um get the i think he's the kind of exec producer of yeah. gangs of london so and it's a way to showcase his talents as an action director but it's kind of it's it's you, you're watching one of these episodes right and and you know and it's 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 an above average kind of uh you know genre tv series about kind of you know gangs um not not wildly different from other stuff you've watched i mean not as good i don't think as you know the ozarks or the sopranos or breaking bad but it's like a you know a crime thriller uh you know equally grown-up content similarly complex quite kind of well-developed rich characters but set in london but not not nearly in the same class as those three things but then suddenly there'll be this kind of extended action sequences l- sequence lasting kind of 10 or 15 minutes um, and it'll just be a kind of brutal fight between two people or a gun battle between two rival factions and it's it's in a completely different class it's absolutely if you're into action it's absolutely sublime it's like sam peckham has dropped in to direct 15 minutes oh. of this episode and and for those bits alone it is absolutely worth watching and 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 the the last episode my son and I watched I think it was episode five this is in season one it was it usually they kind of you know the the story flits between different kind of storylines and you have to keep track of all the different characters and plots different strands in your head but this was all it was just one storyline set in one particular place in Wales funnily enough and it was about it was a bit like straw dogs it was about this kind of raid on a far on a kind of well defended farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. And it's about this kind of group um of apparently kind of defenseless people having to defend themselves from this very well organized kind of quasi military gang uh um uh, uh uh using everything at their disposal and it, it's just fantastic me and my, my son my 15 year old son i was watching it with far too young i'm sure to watch it that's the, um, no, that's uh, the target audience Ted. that is a it's the target audience we just at the end of it we were just saying oh my god this is so good and it right. really is that episode in particular was just it was it was worth the price of admission alone it really is fantastic so i'm i'm now giving uh two quivering with enthusiasm
1: thumbs up to gangs of london
0: Okay. Just for the action sequences alone.
1: So I was trawling around for something new to watch. And I found, uh, as you do, this dystopian futuristic thriller set in, in Turkey, in Istanbul, called Hot Skull. And it's a bit... It's it's, it's another of those post, post-apocalyptic foreign language dramas, a bit like my, my other top tip from... 2019, to the lake, which was a Russian one. Um, but this, this is this is Turkish. And it's about, I mean, imagine this, this. A strange new virus has infected half the world, but the cure is worse than the disease. Authoritarian tyranny in which the populace lose, lose most of their freedoms, are subject to endless testing and are corralled into gated communities. I mean, obviously this is just a wildly <laughs> implausible plot, but Nevertheless, uh, it's, it's yeah, it's it's quite interesting. It's a bit it's a bit bleak in that in this future, um, no one has time to, to do any washing anymore. So everything is is just grey, and, and the and the sun doesn't doesn't seem to come up either. But the the virus is really interesting. It's called, it's called Jabber, and it's called Jabber because the first symptom is when you start talking gibberish. So there's a really, really... I, I, I don't think, think this is a spoiler. There's a really scary scene where, where the hero, Murat, um, who's, who's like us, he's, he's, he's middle-aged, uh, he goes into a shop to get some soap for his mum. And this woman suddenly looks at him earnestly and asks him a question. And he, he lifts off, off his headphones, which you have to carry, because, the, it, as I, I say, it, it's, it's a vaccine... oh sorry, it's a virus which spreads through through language and she starts talking to him and she says stuff like tumble like a trout behind this sacrificial slide if the trout is blue bronze I'm as bright as a knob and, <laughs> and suddenly all these these alarm klaxons goes off and the, and, and the shutters come down and, the, and this 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 man finds himself trapped with us with a child with this w- woman who's got jabba it, anyway, it, 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 it's uh, I, I think I've only seen the first episode, but I, I think it's it, it's quite it's quite promising.
0: Okay, well that uh, that sounds good. Yeah, what's it called again, James? Hot skull. Hot skull.
1: Hot skull. Hot skull. Turkish. Okay. You, you can, you can okay. brush up your Turkish while you watch. Okay. It's not very good for TV dinners because it, 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 you've, you've really got to focus on, on the, the subtitles all the time, which is, which is which is why I think these foreign language films don't get the audiences that right. some people just can't deal with subtitles. Is
0: it because, maybe it's because more and more people now aren't sitting down to dinner with their families; they're just eating dinner in front of the TV and if there are subtitles on, they have to look at them, and they can't look down and chop up their food. So, Well, that's why you're quite dexterous around.
1: to eat and read subtitles. <laughs> yeah, I, is, it's, it's beyond is, me. It's yeah, beyond me, too. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, I've got to tell you about... I think if, if Evil Brian has got himself sorted, uh, I want to tell you about another good thing that I went to the other night. Um, I've mentioned them before. They are a local choral ensemble, which... Uh, in, in Northamptonshire that is, which specialises in early music and they're called the Fiore Musicale Choir. So I went to their Christmas concert in a local church and as an extra treat they were playing with this outfit called His Majesty's Sagbutts and Cornets. Now, um, I don't know if you, you know what a cornet is. The, the cornet was the that was the preeminent musical instrument of the sixteenth and seventeenth century. It's a wind instrument, which is originally made with a, an animal horn uh, and later made of wood. It, it, it's like a sort of long, curved recorder-shaped thing, and a, a, a sagbutt, or, or a sackbut, as they're normally called, is an old-school trumpet and trombone. The diff- different, different, different um, you know, uh, base. Bass sackbutts and tenor sackbutts and etc. And etc. Et so you had this early music uh, orchestral of brass, woodwind en- en- ensemble playing with these lovely. It, it, it was really beautiful. Um, mainly old stuff, you know, like seventeenth-century Portuguese stuff, but and, and a bit of a bit of um, uh, that that fantastic um, uh, Carol from the from the Coventry Mystery Plays. And uh, there was the, there's a final French tune which they they played out, which we, we, can, we, can, we can play it all out. And, by the way, we were sitting there surrounded by fellow old people, because uh, this is the sort of thing that we old people do now. We go to see <laughs> ancient music ensembles <consultants laughs> and old choirs. And this, this old woman came up to me and, and told me how much I meant to her. And, and, and um, she recognised me. I don't know how. I don't know how, how she'd come across me. But um, it was really touching. Did she say she was Team James? She, she I'm afraid she was Team James types. She, she didn't actually ex- uh, mention Team Types at all, but I, I think it was very clear from her enthusiastic reaction. And she didn't look mad; she looked just very lovely.
0: Okay, good. Um, so um, I've got a confession to make, which is that I have, um, uh, I've, I've temporarily um, stopped listening to Barry Lyndon. Um, I, I, I think I might resume in due course, but um, and I've given myself a break and I've now gone on to um, Hell's March, which is um, uh, the second book in Taylor Anderson's Artillery Men series. <laughs> he, he's the chap. You he's found, the chap found who your did level, haven't you? I jokes? found my level, James. Yeah, he, I, I very much enjoyed. I think it's 15 volume Destroyer Men series about... A destroyer that goes through a portal in the space time continuum and ends up in an alternate universe um, and this is very similar but it 's about a group of artillery men who go through a portal and end up in the same alternate universe but a hundred years before the destroyer men um, and uh, it it's many of the same creatures um, uh, pose a, a threat on this in the in this hostile universe so' it's um it 's read by who is the um who is the narrator? He's very good. Not like the narrator, of, of uh, narrated by P.J. Auckland. So he's fantastic. Um, he so even these books a must be quite successful.
1: They, they must, must be, be, quite yeah. to, to, to justify an audio book, there must be a, a big market for them.
0: Well, I imagine, yeah. I, I, I think... Um, I can imagine they are p- quite popular. I mean, they're, they're pretty good. Um, I, I would I would recommend... I mean, The Destroyer Man is a, fa- it's a fantastic series. So entertaining. The so uh, yes, re- action sequences you. are up there with Bernard Cornwall. Try the first one, James. I think you'll love them.
1: Okay, okay. I, I, I'm i still in... I'm loving Where of the World. Is oh,
0: good, good. No, the way yeah, we no, live no, now. No, no, sorry, sorry. What are we,
1: what the Way are we, we Live Now. Sorry, sorry, The Way We Live Now. I just think Trollope is... It's like... I told somebody at, the, at that London party that that, w- that we were reading reading or listening to the audiobook of Trollope, and they said, "Oh, that sounds very highbrow." Hy- not at all. No. T- Trollope's like, what, what is he like? I mean, he's so he's so racy and and about all the things that matter, like hunting and uh, and how yeah. to get on. Yeah, yeah, and, 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 and yeah,
0: and the, and the, and the, and the, and the kind of you know they're they're not either they're not that highbrow as you say. They're they're sort of uh, they're quite pacey. They're quite kind of. Uh, that they, that there's always a decent plot. Um, some of the characters that there are kind of you know like Dickens, there are these kind of three dimensional characters, and then there are these slightly cartoonish. Oh, I think characters. he's I think he's way better than
1: Dickens. Do you? Oh, yeah. Sure well, there's no, there's no throat clearing or, or kind of boring detail. He just gets on with it. I, I'm dying to find out how he resolves this because he's setting them up for he's building this Jenga tower, and when it comes crashing down, I mean it's going to be pretty messy. But Melmod is 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 bad is bad news isn't
0: he he is bad news yeah he is yeah. he's like yeah. the guy he's um yeah, he's like so many characters that populate you know um the news today isn't he he's is he like well, bit like
1: robert of, maxwell certainly
0: bit like robert, it's certainly a bit like robert maxwell um uh, and 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 um yeah many, who's many his, other who's kind his of guys who is this robert maxwell that guy that, that, that sam bankman-fried sam bankman-fried Bankman Bankman yep yep um uh who is that guy um there was the Bernie madoff Bernie, Bernie made yeah pretty close analogy yeah so there are plenty. Yes Anyway so um I think oh um uh I think that's probably pretty much it James you've got we've got we, we listened to a bit of your 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 lovely um uh what do you call it what, what kind of what's the what's the genre of music when you when you play Well this is a funny instrument
1: I'm going to play is, is is a Christmas carol which you'll recognize after the, it starts off unrecognisable, then suddenly you go, oh, I know this one.
0: Okay. All right, we're going to listen to a bit of that, and then we're going to hear from one more of our sponsors, and then that'll be it. Um, oh, I am going so to say what so... it is,
1: so, what the, so people know what they're listening to. It's called Brôle L'Officiel, which is a title that nobody would know, and it was written by somebody called Tuano Arbour, 1520 to 1595, so... Oh, oh! I see. It's an anagrammatic pen name of French cleric and dance specialist Yehan Tabou. Anyway. Oh,
0: I knew that. They, they go for the obscure that. stuff. I'm good at anagrams, so I, I got that. It yeah, perfect. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: okay, James. Um, good to hear from you. Let's listen to a bit of that, and then let's hear from our final sponsor. See you, James. Journalists break a story. They never do it alone. It takes an incredible team. If you're looking to build a team that shapes headlines, you'll need a hiring partner to help you find top talent who will ask tough questions. You need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments and virtual interviews. Hate-waiting, Indeed's US data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose CVs on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Indeed helps star applicants shine before the interview with over 135 graded assessment tests they can take from cooking to coding. Indeed knows when you're growing your own business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why with Indeed, you only pay for quality applicants that match your must-have job requirements. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Visit indeed.com slash London to start hiring now. Just go to indeed.com slash London. That's indeed.com slash London. Terms and conditions apply.
1: cache Join the conversation